thank you everybody for joining me today. Um, we are here in Granite Podcast Studio in Uri for this episode of Activist Lawyer and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by India Fahi. Hi India. Oh, hi Sarah, <laughs> so pleased to be here. Great and you flew in from London, you're, you're heading back tomorrow, it's just a quick visit. A flying visit home. Well look we'll chat more about that in a second but just uh, for our listeners a little bit of background about you. India is an associate in Brian Cave Leighton Paisner LLP's competition litigation team in London. Outside of work India is secretary of the London Irish Lawyers Association a professional organisation for lawyers based in London with an affinity to the island of Ireland. India has been a supporter of and advocate for the Integrated Education Fund for more than 10 years. The IEF is an independent charitable foundation which has been supporting the growth and development of integrated education in Northern Ireland for 30 years. India was also one of the founders of Integrated Alum NI, I think I've pronounced it correctly, in 2013, a registered charity which serves as a network for past pupils of integrated schools and seeks to promote the integrated education movement by propelling the voice of those who know firsthand the benefits of integrated education. India, again, thank you so much for joining us here. Pleasure. Well, we'll get to all of your fantastic work around integrated education, which is primarily what we'll focus on today, but do you mind taking us a little bit about your journey into law like all of our guests sure and how you ended up in London (laughs) absolutely so I'm my family my dad's side of the family are all lawyers got a mix of criminal family um, and I wanted to be a lawyer from I was no height born (laughs) (laughs) born I think I did a drawing when I was four of me in (laughs) in a suit in a courtroom it's quite sad really Um, do you still have that drawing I do still have that drawing Um, but yeah so I always wanted to be a lawyer but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do I knew that I wanted to go away wanted Mm -hmm. to leave Northern Ireland for university um, just to see the rest of the world and see what was out there um, but I really didn't want to do the law national aptitude test. <laughs> so, oh so I applied to LSE, um, which didn't have the test. And that was me set on a journey to London. Mm. Um, so I studied law for my undergraduate. And I, I actually never really saw the appeal of, of corporate law until I got to London, but mm-hmm. was really interested in it and really liked the idea of a training contract. Of course. Because it gave you the option yeah. to move around. Well, paid experience mm-hmm. and to get to move around four different departments and see what you like and see what you don't like. Um, So I ended up very lucky. I applied for a training contract at at BCLP and and was accepted. So I didn't go through the ordeal that most people go through, most students go through um, trying to get a training contract. So I was very lucky. You were, that's brilliant. And your current role now, it's competition law. Yeah, competition litigation. So I'm coming up to four years qualified um, but that was a case of a benefit of a training contract. I got involved in a case in one of my seats of my training contract, fell in love with it mm-hmm. and decided it was what I definitely wanted to do. Um, and I've been there since. So it's great. Brilliant. And you're really enjoying it. We had a wee chat there and it's great. London has a great community as well and a great yeah. vibe. Great buzz about it. It's great. And just you're very much involved as well. We mentioned there with other Irish lawyers and you've recently been reappointed the secretary of the London Irish Lawyers Association. Yeah. Um, how do you find that? And I mean, is, is that something that you rely on in terms of do you ever get homesick? Or yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I love the, any excuse to be around Irish people. I yeah. think, you know, I'm biased, but I think we're better crack than everybody else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I actually... Actually, um, I got the opportunity. I was contacted by Grania Mellon, um, who's also a lawyer in London, and mm-hmm. we knew each other from the Washington Ireland program. And she said, "There's an association of Irish lawyers, 
and they're appointing a new committee. You should get involved. And the I actually joined the AGM as my first mm-hmm. committee meeting um, and got appointed and I've just fallen in love with it. It's just, it's such a great organisation. We're able to organise different mm-hmm. events, have great fun. And last last week we had our inaugural uh, St. Patrick's All Day right. gala. So we had 160 Irish lawyers. Wow, <laughs> under the one roof. <laughs> under, the, under the one roof. And we had a traditional band. Brilliant. Um, we had Tato Crisps, we had oh. Club Orange. <laughs> Um, no, it was brilliant. So it was black tie and in a fancy hotel oh, and we all got to good. dress up for the evening. So, yeah. no, it's great. And it really is the perfect remedy for homesickness because you're just yeah. surrounded by people who have all gone through the same experience yeah. and all have Irish accents, which all is very comforting. <laughs> and it's obviously the whole art, like it's north and south, a big mixture yeah, yeah. and it's barristers, solicitors, everybody. Exactly. Is it? Yeah, and like all in completely different mm-hmm. areas of law and, you know, based in different places. Fantastic. Um, yeah. But it's great. And it's great to be able to support other young Irish lawyers so we have a mentorship program oh, right okay yeah, a mentorship program and uh, setting up at the moment a trailblazer mooting competition program brilliant um, so lots of outreach which mm-hmm. you know it's brilliant to be able to give back that really and to be is. able to share with people how they yeah. how they can get in and given that we've got lawyers in so many different areas mm-hmm. you can almost guarantee that we'll you know we'll have someone who's got experience in the field yeah. that the the young person's interested in so it's great Brilliant. so great for networking and getting to know people which is very very important to law especially depending on which area you're in but i'd imagine younger people how would they find out maybe about the mentorship program or yes we've got a website so mm-hmm. just um i actually don't know what the website <laughs> is we, we'll put it on our link you, but it's something around irish yeah, lawyers london you, yeah <laughs> if you if you google london irish lawyers association i'm sure we'll It'll be the result <laughs> uh, well that sounds absolutely fantastic and a great resource and you you obviously uh, rely on that um, organisation as well um, for for outside your work as well. But just what we're going to talk about a little bit here is your role as an advocate for something that I personally believe is so important and fundamental. And it has been spoken about quite recently again. It kind of has always been there on on the agenda here in, in Northern Ireland. Um, but it's very prominent at the moment and that's integrated education. And you've been working um, on issues around integrated education for some time. How did you become involved in this um I suppose it's a campaign for integrated education in India yeah I'm well I'm lucky it wasn't actually I had nothing to do with getting involved in the first place it was mm. bold parents who set up uh, one of the integrated schools that I went to so okay. I went to Oma integrated primary school and then to Drumra integrated uh, secondary school and loved my experience of integrated education and was very aware and very conscious of because my parents spoke a lot about the benefits of integrated education so I'm sure there are quite a lot of people who would tell you they'd come through integrated schools and never really known mm, that's that they were I integrated. Think, what did you know? I or? think people I think people must have different experiences mm-hmm. of this but my parents were big advocates of um, integrated education my mum was on the, the parents council um, and yeah so I, we spoke a lot about the benefits of integrated education at home so I was always very conscious of it mm-hmm. um, but I loved my experience so the IEF was actually involved while I was in Drumra Secondary School, was actually involved in supporting a, a legal challenge by the school um, to allow the school to expand. So the school has been oversubscribed for two decades, um, but the government was refusing to allow the school to expand to meet demand mm-hmm. because it would take um, it, it would take pupils away from other, other schools, schools. Okay. other schools in the area, and the IEF consistently supported both Oma Integrated Primary School and Drumra Secondary School by providing funding 
um, helping the school to expand by providing mobile classrooms and helping with the legal challenge. So I was very aware of how much work they did to help schools just like the school that I'd gone to. And when I moved to London, I was actually contacted by the IEF who said they wanted to explore setting up something for alumni. Right. And whether that was going to be formal or informal. But I think they rightly wanted to harness the power of being able to have people who've been through integrated education and can really talk about the benefits of integrated education. Um, So that was very informal to begin with. I got... I was very lucky and got invited to dinners in the House of Lords and got to speak in Mansion House. And as a student, that was just brilliant, a brilliant experience, just eye opening. Mm. You know, it was fantastic. Um, and then we set up what was initially called Integrated Education Alumni Association, but we decided it was a mouthful. It is, yeah. um, <laughs> it's a mouthful. Um, but is was renamed when it was registered as a charity, um, Integrated Alum NI, and that's really. As, as you said when you were speaking about um, my background, that's really a, a charity that aims to sort of propel yeah. the voice of, mm-hmm. of people who've been through integrated education and also to provide sort of an equivalent network to that which you might have if you'd been you know, to an established school with mm-hmm. um, some sort of established alumni network and there, that didn't exist for yeah. integrated, integrated um, pupils. So and that was just in 2013, wasn't that it? Was just so not in, that long ago. Not not that yeah. long ago. Um, and I've continued. So I'm I'm no longer on the the committee for integrated alumni, but I've continued to support the IEF yeah. um, with advocacy, which yeah, it's a re- it's a real passion. It, it really is a passion. I think it's so important to hear the voices of students who've been through it because I don't know why and maybe you can enlighten me later on um, on, on this recording but I do hear about it so much. Um, just even BB, BBC Radio Ulster had covered a piece last week and then I was in our local library and there was so much um, information around IEF, um, Integrated Education Fund, um, magazines and posters and all the rest. So you do see it. Um, it's spoken about a lot but we'll get into kind of the, the facts and figures in a little bit but just in a general general sense how important why are we talking about this today I mean how important is integrated education in Northern Ireland and I'm I'm sure some listeners who aren't from here that are tuning in are thinking well what's what's this about um can you take us through maybe even just your own personal opinion on why this is so important and why you believe it's a good you know cause to get behind yeah well I'm I'm definitely biased because (laughs) my answer to (laughs) is it important is absolutely Mm Um, but I think I think when you speak to people outside of Northern Ireland, and actually some people within Northern Ireland, people are really shocked to hear that more than ninety percent of school children in Northern Ireland still go to segregated schools. Segregated, and that's the word that really kind of when I was reading up a little bit, it, it really jarred me. And I was thinking, God, that is the word that we're still it, using. It's yeah. segregated schools. And, you know that that's the reality. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way at mm-hmm. all. Um, and I don't mean to cause any offence to, to those schools, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they're all great schools. But, yeah. you know, it is segregated education. Is. You still have, you know, Catholic education and Protestant education. And you still have young people who have very few interactions with people from a community yeah. that's different to theirs. And I, I just personally feel that we'll never leave behind the division in Northern mm-hmm. Ireland until young people are educated together. I mean, it always boil, I always think about it in terms of human nature, you know, what what drives the type of political division uh, and religious division that we've had in Northern Ireland? And it's really sort of the concept of us and them. You know, mm-hmm. if you think of someone from a different community as not like you, yeah. it's very easy to to, mm-hmm. to fear or to dislike or to resent that other community. Whereas I, I find it very hard to imagine 
young people who've been educated together feeling anywhere near the same intensity of um, you know sectarianism yeah. um, or or fear mm-hmm. but I mean it's it really depends I, th- I think I think it's very important for for that integration to start as early as possible Absolutely. you know at, at nursery age um, or because it, it could get lost otherwise and it, sometimes exactly. it might be too late where people have already um, felt the division and maybe acted upon that at a later stage and even it's funny how you hear young people me, I haven't heard it in a long time because I'm no longer a young person <laughs> but I Don't do remember say people saying things like I've, I've never actually met a Catholic or I've never actually met a Protestant and you were thinking oh my goodness and then you start to think to yourself well we didn't really engage with other schools or you know even apart from your own school being one religion you don't mix with with, with other schools very much you but know. you know it's it's everything because it's also um community-based schooling mm-hmm. so if your school is in the same part of town mm-hmm. that you that you grew up in and your friends all live in the same area and you play sports outside of school in the same area yeah. and you know in the case of Oma I mean you even had when, when you got to the age where you could legally drink yeah. you even had you know different bars yeah different different areas of town where people live and their you, lives you just kind of automatically knew Exactly. And I I always go, I always come back to thinking about, you know, various different conversations. And these are all sort of stylized rather than Mm -hmm. quoting people. But, you know, I've had so many conversations with people where they would say, you know, oh, I hate Protestants. Mm. And it's in an integrated school. And I'd say, but your your best friend's a Protestant. And then they'd say, oh, yeah, but they're grand. And I'd say, and what about such and such? Oh, yeah, they're grand as well. And it's like, is it every Protestant you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's so unique to hear. And on that, I mean, you haven't lived in London as well. And I I know I have a lot of family in London. There are Catholic schools in London. My husband used to teach in one. And there are, you know, uh, denominated schools. But the problem is very specific to hear because even those schools, you'd hear people in London saying, oh, yeah, you know, my child goes to the local school and they'll throw in it's a Catholic school. But that Mm. child might not necessarily be Catholic. Catholic and the religion doesn't really attach to it it's quite as different. much isn't it so how is is it different I think America and different countries are the same am I right or yeah no no I think and I think that's a very fair point mm-hmm. I think I think it is a problem that's specific to Northern Ireland and I think it's really because you know you don't have the history in in other countries mm-hmm. of the division that existed and that ultimately led to the troubles and you know, thankfully, yeah. the peace process has been an enormous success. And I like to believe that the vast, vast majority of people in Northern Ireland want to protect that. Yeah. And I think in order to do that, we have to recognise that we just can't, we can't segregate people mm. in a way that doesn't go on to influence, yeah. you know, how they perceive people in, in mm-hmm. the opposite community. Mm-hmm. No, it's absolutely fundamental. And we'll go on to talk about this support as well for um, for integrated education. But just what's the can you paint us a picture at the moment, just maybe in terms of what are we looking at in terms of stats or, or figures here, just to give some context? Yeah, so I was actually looking at some stats just before coming on. Um, and I was actually just I thought it'd be interesting to just do a comparison between the year that I started mm-hmm. in um, Ome Integrated Primary and, and where we are today. And I I personally, I mean, maybe this is being a bit pessimistic, but I personally feel we should have seen a lot more growth mm-hmm. than we've actually seen. So you had 12,000 pupils in integrated education in 94 and 27,000 pupils in integrated education today. Um, and you had 43 schools in 94 and 70 schools today. Now, I mean, that it, it's imp- it's impressive when you consider it in the context in which I think it needs to be put, mm-hmm. and that is... This progress 
has been achieved by grassroots yes. activism. Mm-hmm. This is something that not only has not been supported by the government, but has actually been resisted. Really? So this has been an uphill mm-hmm. battle by pioneering parents. Parents, yeah. Parents, local communities and organisations like the Integrated Education mm-hmm. Fund that have made this possible. Mm-hmm. So if you consider it in that context... I think the growth's really impressive. Absolutely. I think it's just, you know, it is still sobering to come back to the fact that you've still got 90%. 90%. Like 90%, that's a, you know, that's an overwhelming majority. It is. But I can completely understand where you're coming from there without that support. I mean, that almost seemed like an impossible task to achieve. And I know in certain areas of Northern Ireland that would have been, even to bring up the conversation, would have been extremely difficult. And the hostility that those activists would have faced would have been something else. Unbelievable. But, you know, Omen's Creative Primary started with 32 pupils in a mobile classroom. You know, oh, that, right. that's, and I mean, <laughs> drum, drum ra while I was there was in a Victorian psychiatric hospital. Wow. Um, so, you know, until we eventually, yeah. with the IEF support, secured funding for Brilliant. what was actually, it's an, it's an incredible building. Mm-hmm. And there's now, it's actually the only um, nursery, primary and secondary school on a mm-hmm. single integrated campus mm-hmm. in Omanai. But, you know, that wasn't how it started. No. And it's a very brave and selfless decision, actually, to send your your child age four to a school that is currently in a mobile classroom yeah (laughs) without (laughs) without any funding and you know it's only with parents demanding better for their children that that the integrated movement's been able to get anywhere near to where we are today but I mean there's a you know you can come back to government failure and I I would call it government failure but that's not the official line that's my personal <laughs> personal view but you know the good friday agreement enshrined an obligation on the government mm-hmm. to um to foster integrated education i don't think that obligation was fulfilled and kelly armstrong mla from the alliance party very bravely um tabled a private members bill which was passed into legislation last year the integrated education act and that's a really really monumental um development in the integrated movement because what it does is it puts the onus and the initiative on the department of education to actually promote growth yeah. for integrated education and you haven't had that you haven't had that that requirement for the government to actively promote integrated mm. education really and God, that's i know shocking. it's incredible i know really interesting to see how the political parties each responded mm. to that bill and it, so it had support from all of the nationalist parties. Um, the DUP and the TUV tried to exercise a peti- uh, petition of concern and put fairly heavy pressure, actually, on the UUP to do the same. The UUP resisted that pressure, still opposed the bill, okay. um, but didn't exercise uh, the petition of concern, meaning that it passed into legislation. Um, so even today, you know, that... That is the definition of an uphill, uphill, uphill battle. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so there is kickback, in inverted commas, if we want to call it that. And we've had so many secretaries for state for Northern Ireland coming in and out. And they all, I was just reading up, they're they all, all so are so, yeah, they're so supportive and also quite shocked yeah. because maybe none of them, uh, I'm not saying none of them, but some of them may not know very much about this little part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're landed with this job and they're like, what? <laughs> Segregated schools at 90%, which is quite startling. And recently didn't Ireland's president, so Michael D. Higgins, also very publicly expressed his disappointment in this lack of progress and like you just referred to there are the aspirations of the Good Friday Agreement he also mentioned that shamefully education these are his words remain um, education remains overwhelmingly segregated 
and mentioned there the, the Secretary for State of Northern Ireland had announced initial additional funding for schools who wish to become integrated. So there seems to be strong political will um, on the ground. The grassroots organisations, still community activists, still continue to do their job. But I would imagine, and maybe I'm just naive, that there is, you know, a, a desire for this to be a success and to develop that little bit faster than it is. So how can we move things along? And maybe how, why aren't they being moved along as we'd like? I I think it's really difficult because I think the answer to that is institutional resistance, you know, and that that's the reason that we haven't seen um, enormous growth, because if if integrated education was expanding in line with demand, Mm -hmm. I believe that that 90 percent statistic would be an entirely different statistic. Mm -hmm. But you've, you've got this institutional resistance and I think you've got a real perception that integrated education is a threat to uh, the churches. Okay. And um, I think I think that's not really warranted. Actually, mm-hmm. I think I think sometimes people like to misconstrue the aim of the integrated education movement as being to try and do away with um, all segregated schools, yeah. to try and have only integrated schools. I mean, I, I speak for myself, but I think I speak for others involved in the movement when I say I've I've never wanted to go against the will of what people want. No. And I think the ask's a really simple one. And I think when you put it in these terms, and I think we should speak about it in these terms, it's, it's, it becomes less of a threat and should be perceived as less of a threat. I will be happy that our work is done if every parent that chooses to be brave and send their child to an integrated school is given a place in an integrated school. Mm-hmm. So when, when supply and demand meet... Yeah. Uh, that's that's me happy. I don't think that we should be shoving integrated education down people's throats. And, no. And, you know, the the reality is, I mean, I, I mentioned that Drumra has been heavily oversubscribed for the last two decades, but, you know, it, it is true that 25% of first preference, vote, uh, first preference applications to secondary education are refused. Mm-hmm. So 25% of parents who make the, the bold decision to apply and use their first preference to send their child to an integrated secondary school mm. are, are refused to place. Wow. That that's enormous demand. I mean, it's hard to put an exact figure on it, but it sort of varies from between seven hundred and fifty to a thousand wow. pupils a year who wanted to go to integrated schools and weren't able to go to integrated schools. Mm. So that demand is very obviously there. there. But no one's ever been able to measure it. And part of the Integrated Education Act, and I actually think a really fundamental part of it, is it puts it an obligation on the Department of Education to find a way to accurately measure that mm-hmm. demand. So what we don't know what form that will take yet because each, each one's slightly crude. Mm-hmm. You know, the stats that I've just given you only apply to secondary schools. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't tell you anything about primary schools yeah, and okay. nurseries. But what it also misses and, or leaves out is uh, I was head girl at Drumram. Mm-hmm. And in, in the year that I was head girl, I must have had five or six instances of, of parents coming up to me in the street and saying... I wanted to send my child to the integrated, but I heard the integrated's oversubscribed. Mm-hmm. And the other schools don't take it well if you don't put them down as your first, first preference. Typical. So you thing. actually get, you know, what we don't know is how many parents would have, if they knew that they could secure a place, Yeah. how many parents would have opted to send their child to an integrated school. 
And so it'd be really interesting. It would see. be really interesting. So you can't really encapsu- encapsulate that data accurately. I wonder about, is there, this sounds a bit simplistic, mm. but a survey even for, like, would that be, yeah. how would that work? Well, it's difficult because you never know with yeah. a survey. I think it's very hard. It'll vary from area to area. Sure. You know, these are all quite crude ways yeah, of yeah, thinking yeah. about things but it'll be really interesting to see what the Department of Education does with that with and, that. and, and the obligations got, on them to, that's brilliant for the first time absolutely and it's got the support of the Integrated Education Fund in advising mm-hmm. on you know what they know so they had the Lucid Talk uh, survey in 2021 and there's there's actually another survey that the results will be coming out this year but mm-hmm. in 2021 they had 71% of people surveyed said they would send their child to an integrated school now, that's big. That's and uh, and sixty four percent of people, when asked why has progress been so slow, cited uh, the political parties, okay. and sixty four percent cited resistance from the church. church. Mm-hmm. So. It's my view shared by others, clearly. It is shared by <laughs> others. It's certainly shared by me. And I know just hearing you, the, I mean, I, for me as well, it's not, um, you know, it's just choice. It's, it's about having that choice. And I, I envied a lot of my, my peers and my friends who live in the South where they were able to send their child to an educate together school. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, I think like a lot of the, I, I don't know if it's across every county or anything, it can be difficult to get into them. And again, over being mm-hmm. oversubscribed is an issue. But in general, anybody that I know who opted to send and their child did did secure a place and I used to just be slightly envious of that like having that that choice there which just doesn't exist here and I know there are different types of schools I know there are bun skulls and, and different schools that might fall outside the kind of normal segregated type of school but I think you're right it's about having that choice there not forcing it upon people and if it's um, worded well that's not even worded this is you're, you're presenting it in a factual way um, you know that it, people shouldn't feel threatened by it but if they don't choose to send their child that's fine there should be other options but it's about having choice at the end of the day but it's so interesting to hear the demand there I'm really interested to find out more about that I know I I can't wait to hear how they measure it because it will be really interesting to hear and I think I think it'll be quite a reality check actually Mm -hmm. for the Department of Education because also that that demand that whatever measure they find for that demand it's also going to need to take into account availability of integrated Mm -hmm. education so Mm -hmm. you know if you live in an area that doesn't have an integrated school you can't measure that. You can't measure potential demand mm-hmm. by looking only at applications to existing integrated schools because you don't know that an area that doesn't have an integrated school what the demand is doesn't have yeah. plenty of parents that would like to send yeah. their child to an integrated school if one was available. Yeah, and I mentioned to you before, back a long time ago, I I moved from Dublin here and I was thinking about schools for my first child, and I received a lot of kickback from even friends. I brought it up with, were just like, why? It's not even important. Why are you banging on about this? But when I looked into it a little bit more and I brought it to our local representatives as well, it did seem to be quite a complex process in place. And they kept bringing up the idea of a feasibility study that that would. But even to get to that um, um, phase, I think you have to get some level of support or some questionnaire or something. How does it actually work if you did want to establish or even conduct a feasibility study for your area? Yeah, so... It's become a lot easier in in recent times. So the IEF launched an Integrate My School campaign in 2019, um, which Liam Neeson kindly sent a, a video for, uh, which Excellent. attracted quite a lot of attention, which is great. But that, that whole campaign is aimed at making that process easier Good, yeah. and making it clearer. And you've got sort of, you know, everything down to tutorial videos of it's as easy as one, two, right. three, taking you through the steps. But there are two ways that 
parents can begin the process of transforming an integrated school if you want to go down the transformation mm-hmm. route and I'll come back to other options. Um, but the process of transformation can be started by the Board of Governors mm-hmm. of the school at their own initiative or it can be at the written request of 20% of parents and the IEF can provide support in practical terms, you know, in, in terms of how you go about doing that. You then have a legal process and it is it is complex, but I think it has to be because it's really incredibly important that there is parental buy-in. Sure. You know, there's there's no, it comes back to this shoving integrated education down people's throats. Mm-hmm. There needs to be genuine parental support for yeah. an integrated ethos. Otherwise, even if you could get it off the ground, it just won't work. Mm-hmm. But that's a simple, so you then have a vote. You need 50% of parents to turn out in terms of actually voting, which I appreciate is, is a task of mm-hmm. itself. Uh, but it's a simple majority, so 51%. Um, and you vote vote to transform the school, mm-hmm. so that that's been fantastic, and it's been it's been really successful. When I when I was preparing for this, actually, there were nine schools who had had positive parental votes and were waiting for a ministerial oh, decision. Right. There's now ten. Oh, there's so, ten. Wow. Very <laughs> so, good. So, ninety five percent of parents at Balamina Nursery School was announced today. Uh, voted to transform so that's wow. fantastic and that's we got brilliant. a yeah, got a congratulatory message from Liam Neeson oh my he's from Balamina. Um, so that's, that's a great there's so many good news stories so many good news yeah. stories at the moment and that's I think brilliant. that that really helps to mm-hmm. build momentum and you know that's that is probably what's behind yeah. so much of the media attention that you've been yeah. seeing as well is you know when things are going well and something's yeah. gaining real traction um you've got plenty of good, new, good yeah. news stories which really nice but so you've got 10 schools waiting for a decision quite how that decision will be taken in the absence of an executive <laughs> is unknown yeah. we're hopeful that that will all go through without any issues mm-hmm. um through the permanent secretary but at the moment that's that's to be confirmed but oh, i mean hopefully. it's fun- fantastic fantastic to see so many transformations and i think that is what we'll mm-hmm. see in the main i mean we've got too many schools in northern ireland if we're all honest with ourselves so yeah. I think it's unlikely to be, you know, new integrated That's schools. what I was going to ask you. Yeah. yeah, is there a likelihood of that happening? And particularly if the Secretary for State has, you know, announced additional funding and all the rest, that funding obviously goes to p- places like the IEF to help them kind of guide schools along into the through the transformation process. But I, I was thinking, you know, going forward, um, you know, in areas where there aren't any integrated schools would there be an option for a new school just to start as an integrated school but yeah um, absolutely when I say no um, new integrated schools I mean more in terms of I don't think that'll be the I don't think that'll be what brings us to you know having a huge number of integrated schools Mm because there just won't be that many new schools in Northern Ireland but in terms of if you've got an area that doesn't have an integrated school and there's reason to have a new school there's no formal process at the moment for that to be guaranteed to be an integrated school um, and that comes back to the the issue of parental um, parental choice mm-hmm. and consent so it's not the case that if there's a new school in an area it would automatically be integrated at this point but what the integrated education act does do is provides for public consultations mm-hmm. so you'd have a consultation in that area oh, excellent, about right. how many people would be prepared to buy into an integrated school Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, uh, I think 
you know, you'd like to be able to trust your government (laughs) to show initiative and do these things themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been shown time and time again that that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. And having those obligations in the Integrated Education Act, Act, I think will really move this forward because even if it's just a tick box, it's it's an exercise that they have to go through now. Mm -hmm. Um, And provided there's parental demand, there's no reason why we shouldn't then see new integrated Mm -hmm. schools in those areas. That's so interesting and it's a big step forward and lots of success stories as well that I, I hear um, and obviously big high profile stars like Liam Neeson. You all, when I think of integrated education, <laughs> I do see his face and we had Baroness May, is May, May Blood. We, I'll do that. we had Baroness May Blood as well. I've seen her, um, just, I know she fronts the, the magazine most recently as well. People have done extraordinary work behind the scenes. And I know in London, there's actually huge support for this as well. And probably across across the globe for people who, who lived in Northern Ireland and have travelled elsewhere would really see the benefits of supporting um, this campaign. But just in terms of looking back a little bit in time, the first, so there were planned integrated um, schools um, back in the 80s and, and 90s. I think and Lagan College always springs to mind as one of the, the first or maybe the first integrated education school um, secondary school so India I mean we've just covered there some of the success stories and the stats and figures which I'm really interested in and I think it'll be so interesting to follow this going forward in terms of the act um, and the support behind it but what does in, in your opinion does the future look like I mean you're, you're very positive about, about everything and I know I'm, I'm so I loved that we, we went through the statistics there and even though there's still a 90% um, you know figure there that schools remain segregated the hard work that goes on behind the scenes um, and transforming those schools is, is phenomenal really and that has to be I mean celebrated in itself so what does the future look like in terms of integrated education for Northern Ireland and you know are there any plans for progress in the months and, and year ahead? So the IEF has its own ambitious target of 100 integrated schools by the end of 2025 um, which is if you consider the amount of growth that we've seen that I, I mentioned from 1994, mm-hmm. that's a real acceleration of progress. And they think that is entirely feasible, uh, particularly through the transformation process. So I hope I hope that'll be the case. I mm-hmm. hope they'll meet that target. I think that we need to talk about it more. Yeah. And I think that people need to be more aware of it. And I think that actually we need to have start having really frank discussions. I mean, I'm happy to debate with anyone on anything, <laughs> <laughs> but particularly this. I'm really interested in understanding why people don't want to send their children to integrated schools yeah. because I think it's really important to listen to that mm-hmm. and to take that into account. I don't think that we can just dismiss yeah. views of so many, views of 90% of the population. Sure. Um, in terms of where they want to educate their children, but I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of learning to be done by everyone. I I often get the challenge, and I think it's it's a you know it's a fair one in terms of people who are very protective of their culture. But I often get the, the criticism that with an integrated school you're basically whitewashing everyone, mm-hmm. and you're acting like everyone's the same and we're not the same, and. That's never how I've seen integrated education. And in fact, it's actually the opposite of the integrated ethos. Mm -hmm. The entire point of integrated education is to recognise difference and celebrate difference. So we celebrated every different, you know, religious celebration that you could find Mm -hmm. in the diary. And it's about actually being respectful enough to recognise that 
you know someone that you're in class with is different to you and they have different traditions and that doesn't mean that you have to go along with that yeah or even have to actively participate but you have to recognize it and respect it um and I think that's really important so I think that conversation needs to keep happening I think we need to keep putting pressure on political parties to recognize um even if people don't get behind I, I personally don't care how we achieve um widespread integrated education I don't mind if it's virtuous reasons or practical reasons but you know some really difficult conversations need to be had about the economics of this I mean you can't have too many schools in an area undersubscribed just because you want to preserve mm-hmm. segregated education that is a fundamental waste of taxpayers money and so I think we need to start having conversations around all the different facets of this the emotional side but also the pragmatic side of how do we move move forward with an education system that has too many schools mm-hmm. and communities that don't have, you know, the option of a school and are travelling to, you know, towns nearby and all of the costs yeah. that are associated with that. Um, and the IEF's leading lots of those discussions, which is which That's is great. Fantastic. Yeah. So I think it's pressure. I think it's harnessing all the momentum that we've got at the moment. Um, and I think it's... Yeah, it's just it's spreading the word really, and and hopefully it'll just continue to go from strength to strength. Mm-hmm. I am very positive. You are very positive. <laughs> so I'm but sure it's, it's your. I mean, you're sharing your your experience, and obviously working closely with the organisations involved in this for many many years, you've great insight into it. But I really think um, your point there about um, engaging in discussion, I think that's where it has to start. And any big changes that we've seen in Ireland all started from people getting around the table. You know, any of the constitutional changes I'm talking about, even before a referendum took place, it was all about um, you know citizens assemblies and people and this is such a big issue that I think it would almost warrant something of that nature where you know everybody is brought together from across all of the communities and not even to just to listen firstly and just to see you know what it's about because you're right we don't know that 90% of those people we don't know what that's made up of that could very much be people who attend segregated schools but really don't want to or they don't want their children to so we don't know what that 90% is made up of at all so it would be so interesting just to hear people's opinions but also as you said to, to ask them why 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 do you want to go here you know and to get people's genuine feedback and conduct you know a, um, a study around that research so that's really interesting that that's going ahead and IEF are leading the discussions in in that sense yeah it's it, it's really interesting and young one thing that I find interesting and and surprising is that actually support for integrated education when you survey young people is lower um, than, oh, really? <laughs> than the gen- general population still a clear majority but it's lower and I think that I think it might have to, I, I mean I'm just speculating completely but I think it might have to do with the fact that you're maybe a bit protective of the school mm. that you're currently at or your peers or your sure. teachers or yeah. how that works but the IEF's been um, participating in discussions it's a scheme called Hungry for Change okay. and it's bringing together young people and canvassing their views so I'm really excited to hear I'm really excited for the survey results from Lucid Talk, mm-hmm. which would be the equivalent of those 2021 surveys. Right. I'm also really interested just to hear all the feedback from all of those different community yeah. discussions, just so that we can really understand where mm. resistance is coming from and what we mm-hmm. can do. And will that be published? Yes. I guess. And when when's that likely to, do you know? Later this year. Later this year. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get a bit more of an insight into where resistance is mm-hmm. and how we can continue to change hearts and minds. Fantastic. So, and anybody who wants to find out more, I guess the Integrated Education uh, Fund website would be probably... Yeah, so it's ief.org.uk. 
brilliant and I did have a look on that and it goes through everything really it's the fun- history it's fantastic. resources on that website are just fantastic and it seems like a very approachable organisation anyway so I mean if people Absolutely. did have concerns or questions it seems like they're open to, to take any of that forward so it's fantastic and I'm glad to see this is funded and just back to you then yourself India I know you mean your workload must be quite significant in London how do you because this is quite heavy as well I'd, I'd imagine and you're very passionate about it very um, committed to it how do you strike the balance and, and the other wee question I kind of have is we do have a lot of people on this show who work in, in corporate law and they've kindly given up their, their time to discuss their journey as well but very often either in the workplace or outside they're doing something else similar to you mm. in terms of either advocacy or you know doing a lot of pro bono work um, how important is it to you and I suppose it doesn't apply to anybody to have a kind of a balance as such and I don't like to put that on people but um, this is activism I guess that you're you're involved in how do you balance that with your your job which is quite corporate <laughs> in a sense or you know do you do you even think about that <laughs> yeah no it's, it's not easy and you know sometimes you beat yourself up a little bit um, but I find that it's the nature of the job that you get really really intensely busy periods where I have to put my hands up and say it's incredibly difficult to do anything mm-hmm. <laughs> outside of work. And, you know, some of these things do end up falling by the wayside. But you do then get quieter periods where you're able to invest a bit more time. Mm-hmm. And the IEF are very, they're great in terms of the people that they work with. They mm-hmm. recognise that everyone has full-time jobs outside of it. Um, and they completely appreciate that. So, it, you know, at the moment, my involvement is very much just coming along and supporting them at events where I can um, and speaking to potential donors if if they're interested in understanding the experience of integrated education. So I have to say it's not a huge time commitment. It's more of sort of a a passion side project. But it's really important to me that I'm able to do these types of things outside of work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm really grateful that I have an employer that I'm currently on the clock. So <laughs> <laughs> that oh, is that is supportive yeah. of it's great. of people having mm-hmm. interests outside of work. That's um, and that yeah, that's really important. I think I'd find it very difficult if I had an employer that didn't allow me mm-hmm. to have that type of thing, that mm-hmm. type of interest mm-hmm. outside of work because it's what eases your conscience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it eases your conscience. <laughs> but um, as well as that, I suppose, finally, I just, uh, I'm guessing people listening here may be in the same position as you in terms of maybe they want to explore, you know, studying abroad um, or working abroad. What advice or tips would you have for people who think, oh, well, that India's working in London how, how do I get there and you know how how much support did you have around that what tips do you have I would definitely look to just come back to the London Irish Lawyers Association I don't actually know about other cities but mm-hmm. you'd be surprised how many organizations there are out there mm-hmm. that welcome people reaching out yeah. I mean I spoke to at least two or three people that were living and working in London as lawyers before I made the move mm-hmm. and you know it's a big move yeah. and um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shy about reaching out to people because people remember I mean for me it's not that long ago but you know people remember what it was like to leave Northern Ireland mm-hmm. and move somewhere different and how reassuring it is to have you know people from home that can sort yeah. of guide you along the way so I would just say look for people who are doing something similar to what you're trying to do mm-hmm. and don't be shy you know, with reaching out, people never mind. If they're not able to help because they're too busy or, you know, something else, it's not like they'll mind you having reached out. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a good way, I think, to get a flavour of 
what it is you're considering doing. But I'd also say pick something flexible that gives you like a training contract mm-hmm. or, or equivalents in all different you know areas of law where you can try things because some of the things that I thought I would like I hated yeah. and some of the things I thought I would hate I do now and I love mm. <laughs> you know you hear that a lot yeah you just don't know I don't believe that you come out of the womb knowing yeah. that you want to be you know a transactional well, you kind of knew you were going to be a lawyer though didn't you? <laughs> I think at that point my fate was decided yeah, but yeah. you know I, I do think it's important to try these things out do as much work experience Absolutely. as possible you do even a week's work experience could be enough to go I'm glad I tried it Mm-hmm, but it's not, not for, for me. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, thank you so much for sharing, no sharing your tips and advice there as well and your journey, but also the fascinating work around integrated education. It is so important. And I really urge people to look up the Integrated Education Fund website um, and follow their work. It really is, um, you know, fascinating stuff and really, really important. So thank you so much for joining me today, India. Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Thanks everyone for joining me today. If you like the show, please remember to share and leave a review if you have a moment. And you can also check out our website, www.activistlawyer.com, where you will see some blog articles written by our guests and contributors, as well as some fabulous Activist Lawyer merchandise. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast, but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.